Good morning, Heartland. As always, it is great to be together wherever you are. Uh, we love that each Sunday we can gather under the Lordship of Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to be the church. And so I hope you're having a fantastic 4th of July holiday weekend, complete with food and friends and family, some fireworks perhaps, and enjoying the freedoms that we have as being citizens of our country. And as I've been thinking about the revolutionary roots of the formation of our nation, it's caused me to think about the world's greatest revolutionary, that of Jesus Christ, the Son of God who left heaven and came to earth so that we could all have freedom in Christ that we can be one with God through the blood of his son and that through his life, death, and resurrection, we can be part of his kingdom movement in our day in, in all sorts of ways. So Heartland, we just wanna thank you. We know that you love the church, that you are the church, and we appreciate the ways you're with us, even though the ways we're going to church has changed in the season. Thank you for your partnership and support. Thank you for how you've served and given and continue to do so. Thank you for those of you who've continued to mail in uh, your contributions, your tithes, or, or have chosen to continue giving online out of worship for God and love for our church community. We want you to know every time we gather how much we appreciate that. And we hope that you can continue to connect in all sorts of ways, maybe through our connect rooms after each service or for prayer at 8 a.m. through our virtual means and then utilizing our Heartland Anywhere app to just be and bring good news wherever you are, where you live, work, study, and play. If you've been around this week, tuned in, you know that we have some exciting news that we've shared we believe God is leading us to pursue and hire a full-time teaching pastor to join our staff team. Someone who carries the true heart of Heartland, who loves God, loves others, and whose heart beats for the furthest out. Someone who has the Holy Spirit-inspired ability to translate the unchanging truths of Jesus' gospel in ways that make sense uh, to people in our ever-changing world today. And so what we would love to do just, is just to invite you to pray with us towards that end for God's highest and best, that he would bring that person who could take the good that is and has always been and, and support and lead that through the teaching pastor role for God's best in our future. So will you join us in praying along those lines? One way we're doing that as a staff team is by praying the Lord's Prayer together at noon every day. So wherever we are, we've set our phones to, to remind us at noon, and we're just stopping, and we're just praying the Lord's Prayer together, uh, individually, <laughs> all together. And we'd encourage you to do the same. Maybe join us just wherever you are in praying the Lord's Prayer by yourself or with whoever you're with. And I wonder if we could just do that right now as we uh, begin our time of corporate worship together. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer. You can do that individually uh, with whoever you're with. You can do that aloud if you're comfortable. Uh, but wherever you are, let's do the Lord's Prayer together. Here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. What is your recipe? (laughs) That's a question my friend was asked. Uh, Her name's Alex, and she was asked this by a coworker. What's your recipe? And she was caught off guard, and what do you mean? He says, well, you're happy all the time. (laughs) You're happy all the time. Tell me what the recipe is for your happiness. She didn't know how to kind of come back to him. She had to think about that for a minute just to say, Okay, how do I, this is a really good question, you know. What is your recipe? Have you ever been asked that? Maybe not specifically, but in a way like, why do you live the way you live? Like, what is it about you that causes this external thing that I see? Something in you is causing this to be how I experience you. Okay, well, uh, we're going to come back to that. I got to take you back to a moment, though, when I was 16. This was one of my first jobs. Uh, I was a sampler, okay? So hot, sizzling steak on a hot plate, okay? Out in front of a uh, mall kind of concourse. I was, uh, I've been at all the malls. I was at the Great Mall of the Great Plains, which is not there anymore. I was at uh, Oak Park Mall right outside the American Eagle. That was our station. Barbecue Kansas City was the name of the store. And, uh, and we sold sauces and marinades, and they gave me a cooler full, like 30 pounds of steak to take out one piece at a time and cut samples of and hawk people in like, hey, you, you want some free steak? And people didn't believe me and eventually they smell it and they come over and I would cut them a piece of steak uh, and they would get a toothpick and try the first bite. And this was good. Like this was legit, well cooked. This was really tasty. And they experienced that. And next to me, I have a stack of bottles and seasoning on the top. It's called a stack pack. And I was legendary at selling stack packs. They had to bring boxes of stack packs during the Saturday afternoon rush, especially during the holiday season. And, and so I would say to people, that is our no mistakes. By the way, I, this is 20 years ago. You, know, I, you just don't forget some things, but I have the spiel like memorized. This is our no mistake steak marinade. Two tablespoons on each side for 15 minutes each side, and you are ready to have steak that tastes like this. Well, what kind of steak is this? This must be, this is top butt. That's, that's what they instructed me to say. Now, those of you who are meat aficionados know that that's just top sirloin, top butt sirloin. Those are just kind of all in there, but I had to get it out there. This is not supposed to be a good cut of meat, but here it is. You are loving this. And, and so then they want to tell me, well, what do I do? And well, this bottle will do at least 25 pounds of steak. And I had all the questions answered for them. Uh, and then they would say, well, I, I, how much is it? I'm like, hold on, hold on. I want you to try another bite. And I would cut off a second bite. And that's when the magic seasoning was sprinkled on. So this was just a uh, no mistake steak seasoning, essentially garlic and salt. Like I, I, there was nothing complicated about it, but we sprinkled it on the second bite. And then they put that second bite. And it was really important for the morsel to be just a morsel, right? To leave them wanting, you know? And, uh, and there was a line behind them and everyone's building with this anticipation for trying this two bite sequence and and so they taste the second bite and it the saltiness guys just melted in their mouth and 
And then they say, well, I, I need this. If you say it's this easy, this is a simple recipe, two tablespoons per side, 15 minutes, and then you sprinkle the dust on top and we're good. Sign me up. And I said, $6.99. Just walk on back. They'll take care of you. Grab one for a neighbor or a friend. And I was, it was awesome. It was just one of the best jobs to cut steak for people, you know. <laughs> I loved it. It was a simple recipe, though, is what I want you to hear from that story. It was a simple recipe that got people to believe that they could have the same steak that we had. <laughs> to be honest, I never used the product at home. I was just like cutting the steak and giving it to them. So I hope it worked for them. But, uh, but the simple recipe is what I want to leave with us today. I want that to be kind of the thing that frames our time in here. What's a simple recipe for this revolutionary life that puts Jesus first? We're going to look at Acts chapter 19 today. Uh, and in Acts chapter 19, there are a, a lot of revolutionary moments that Paul and Lydia have been experiencing here in the book of Acts. Lydia, this businesswoman who has just taken gospel, Jesus principles, and put them into her life and into her household. And now she is exceedingly successful at not only business, but bringing people into the kingdom of God. Paul, uh, this person who used to persecute Christians and sign death warrants, has now started literally hundreds of churches across Asia and Turkey in the Bible. It's phenomenal to see these two revolutionary people amongst many others that are leading God's early church. Well, Acts chapter 19, uh, if you want to turn there, you can also read on the screens here. Oh, before, before we get there, I had a revolutionary Friday, by the way. Like, so Friday, I got to share this picture. I had a recipe that was revolutionary. I had heard about this pizza, but this is a Joe's Minsky, Casey Joe's and Minsky collaboration called The Big One. And this is my son, Robbie, right here with a, a face of sheer, like, the smells. That's a face of pleasure, okay? That's like, that's an awesome face. And I'm making the same face. And we just devoured what we could of this pizza. It was so rich, I'm going to warn you. Um, but it, it was amazing. It's just like, Burnt Ends meets Casey Minsky's. So that was my uh, Friday uh, at noon. And then Friday evening, I got to watch Hamilton on uh, the streaming platform uh, that I won't advertise here, but it's, it's out there. And, and it was awesome just to take in this revolutionary kind of musical and then to celebrate the 4th of July weekend and, and all of that. So I just trust that uh, you've had a, an incredible weekend too. Turning to Luke chapter 19 though, I want you to listen for recipe ingredients, Okay. Like Minsky's is Joe's. They're not going to give me that recipe. But what we believe today is that God has given us a recipe for a revolutionary Jesus first life. And in Luke chapter 19, Paul has been traveling around and he's now in Ephesus. Uh, and in Ephesus, there is a group of people that he's come into contact with and something is off with their recipe. Like he, he knows they're disciples of Jesus, but he has a question for them. And I want you to listen to this. There, Paul found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. It's like that moment, uh, an awkward moment I had last week when I've gotten into sourdough bread and doing some practicing, trying to cultivate a good sourdough loaf. And I had a loaf that was just extra and I have two neighbors that like sourdough bread. So I just cut it in half delivered it to one doorstep and another to another doorstep. And it was early afternoon when I realized, oh no, I didn't put salt in that recipe. Like those loaves don't have salt in the, the process. They, and I've done that before personally, but I had never gifted a, a, 
a ill-tasting, awful paperweight to someone. But in this moment, uh, I texted them and said, hey guys, this is kind of uh, awful to tell you, but you need to throw that bread away because there's no way to salt a piece of bread on top of it and somehow enjoy it. It has to be a part of the process. It's an essential ingredient. Flour, water, salt, yeast. Those are the ingredients of bread. All essential. You skip one, you have delivered a paperweight, you know. Okay, so, uh, so here's the moment that, that Paul interacts with the Ephesian believers and he says, something's off here. Did, did you guys receive the Holy Spirit? And they don't know what that even means. And so Paul begins to tell them what that means. <clears throat> so Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So Paul fixes their recipe, right? He just says, you're missing an essential ingredient. It's the Holy Spirit that you can receive in the name of Jesus, And some crazy things happen. They speak in some different languages, perhaps even some unintelligible languages. And they have this gift of like being able to discern what's going to happen in the future. And that's, that's crazy. Like that's out of our sphere of reality. Like we don't always get to interact with Holy Spirit in that way. But what I want you to do is not dwell on what happened after they received Holy Spirit, but their posture before, which was just to say, well, we don't know this. We were open to learning about this ingredient that we have been neglecting and not receiving. Paul writes later in the New Testament that the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Each one of those things, that's a list, but each one of those things can meet a person and be a miracle. Have uh, two friends right now, just this week, that been walking through pancreatic cancer diagnoses with and they're reaching out for God's spirit asking for peace asking for calm asking for for God's love to be felt near them right now and so uh, as we talk about receiving the Holy Spirit and what that might mean don't dwell on kind of the what that looks like and we can sometimes treat God like a, a vending machine I've done this where I want this and I put 50 cents in and I push a button and that's what I get out. God is unpredictable. God is not to be boxed in and, and formulized. And so in this moment, what I want you to be open to is, is a recipe of a revolutionary Jesus first life that I'm going to tell you about here in just a moment. But for me, before I tell you the recipe for me, I, I feel the need for this too on the daily. Like I, One of our values is just being honest and like, I wish this 4th of July had been different. I wish it had been more normal. It was a bummer not to do the normal fireworks displays at corporate woods that our family used to um, see. And, And I'm lamenting the fact that, you know, in our city, two KCMO officers senselessly shot and both in different places of recovery. That that stuff is, we we have a raging 24 seven news cycle. Like, that stuff stresses me out. I, person of color in our predominantly white community and church, like that, that stuff stresses me out given our national and global conversation right now. And, 
I just got to be real. But I'm not like, I'm not stuck there, right? Because there's, there's a recipe, because there's something giving me joy in the midst of those things. There's something giving me God's power in the middle of those things. We see this in the life of Paul and Lydia and countless other disciples, but we see that they have the ability to tap into God's power and their circumstances don't define them. They can rise above those circumstances because of God's miraculous power. And so I want to share this with you, share this recipe. And it's, it's really three things. I've made it simple so that, uh, so that we could grab it and put it into our lives and move it forward. And it's not rocket science, but it's God the Father is the first ingredient. And it's an active belief, by the way. I've got the word active here in bold on, on the screens because it's not just an intellectual assent to three bullet points, but it is like an active, I believe these three things. One, that God the Father loves you. And that has made its way from the Bible into your heart, and you believe that. Number two, that God the Father sent Jesus the Son to save you. And that's John 3.16. There's a sense that that's exactly the mission of the Son. He's sent by the Father to love the whole world and to bring people into a relationship. And then lastly, it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are the three ingredients here. And it's believe, an active belief that God the Father has sent the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. This is what Jesus tells his disciples. He says, I must go so that the Father can send the Spirit in my name. And that's it. And and there's a reason that like Paul goes and gives that to the, those 12 men at Ephesus and they become the foundation of the Ephesian church. And, and he goes on from there with this simple recipe that's like on a recipe card. It's totable. It's, it, it can be condensed to a three by five card and it's, it's transferable. And it's so transferable that here's what happens in the rest of Luke chapter 19. We don't have time to get into all of it, but in verse 8, it says this, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way, so Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. That's a big deal for Paul to have been in the synagogue and realized, well, this recipe, it works for some people and some people really don't like this. So I'm going to be faithful and obedient to this three months here. But then God is calling me to go over here to actually a third place. If you'll remember, we've talked about how we have home and work. And then we have these third places, places in society where ideas are exchanged and, and that happens. And so Paul finds himself at the, the halls of Tyrannus, and Tyrannus, by the way, this is really interesting, but he taught until 11 a.m. And then he said, peace out, I got to go eat lunch <laughs> and take a nap. And so the Ephesians basically from, 11, this is an awesome schedule, by the way, from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m., the Ephesians just like went home and took a nap and took care of stuff that they needed to at home. And then at 4 p.m., they'd return to Tyrannus's school and they'd hear more lectures. And so Tyrannus says to Paul, well, you can have between 11 and four because no one's here and everyone's sleeping. <laughs> and, and Paul takes the opportunity and, and before you know it, this is a recipe that people want to hear more about. And they are now coming and being with Paul, listening to this message about Jesus, life, death, and resurrection. And they're, they're loving it and they're telling other people about it. Before you know it, all the Jews and Greeks and all of Asia 
have heard the gospel because of this two and a half years, which is a long time for a go-getter, someone who wants to be moving from this city to plant a church over here, to plant a church over here. It's a big deal for Paul to stay rooted for two and a half years in Ephesus, but he sees the need to do that. Now, what's your recipe? I've actually had this happen to me once before. Like I was in a McDonald's and a woman came up to me and my friends and just said, what's what, what's in you? Like, why, why are you guys so happy? <laughs> and it's a really cool moment. It doesn't happen often, but I, I was ready to give her an answer for that. I was like, well, actually, the four of us, we've kind of built our lives around Jesus. And, and I was able to give her a reason, you know, the recipe card to say, this is my recipe for, for a revolutionary life of following Jesus. Now, that's, um, that's Paul's and Lydia's and names in the Bible, they can feel like superheroes. And so I really want to give you some modern day examples. And this is a book uh, by Eric Metaxas called Seven Women and the Secret of Their Greatness. Uh, and there's three stories I want to tell you. And the first one is about a woman named Corey Ten Boom, who was a Dutch woman who uh, during the World War One and Two era just tried to save Jews and hid her in a secret room that they had built in their house. And and before you know it, she has done this so much and she's now paid the price for it because she's in one of the concentration camps because she's aiding and abetting uh, Jewish victims. And so now she's in the concentration camp and World War II ends and she's now free and finds herself a preacher. And as she's preaching one day, she sees a man coming forward and she has no mistake who this man is. He was one of the most vicious guards at Ravensburg, which was one of the prison concentration camps that she had found herself in. And I want to read you the story as Eric Metaxas writes it uh, in this book. Standing there before the former Gestapo man, Corey remembered that forgiveness is an act of the will, not an emotion. Jesus, help me, she prayed. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. Corey thrust out her hand. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. But even so, I realized it was not my love. I had tried and did not have the power. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a part of Corey Ten Boom's recipe that allows her to tap into God's power. The second story I want to share with you is from Rosa Parks. Now, we all know Rosa Parks as the woman on the bus, but what I've learned is that 12 years before the moment on the bus, she had gotten on the bus with the same bus driver and had an interaction. This story is, is for the famous moment that we all hear about. According to the law, no black person could sit in the same row as a white person, meaning all four blacks in the row Rosa occupied would have to move to accommodate one white man. Silence met the driver's command. Nobody moved. Angered, the bus driver, James Blake, tried again. Y'all better make it light on yourselves and let me have those seats, he warned. 
the two women sitting across the aisle from Rosa and the man sitting next to her got up and moved to the back of the bus. But Rosa was not about to move. Instead, she simply slid over to the window seat and stared out at the Empire Theater marquee, which announced that week's film, A Man Alone, starring Ray Milland, a Western about a man who faces down a village for a crime he did not commit. Blake, the bus driver, saw that one of the four had ignored his demand and he was not going to let one small black woman make a fool of him. He got out of his seat and began walking down the aisle toward Rosa. Rosa writes, People always say that I didn't give up my seat because I was tired, but that isn't true. I was not tired physically or no more tired than I usually was at the end of a working day. No, the only tired I was was tired of giving in. Rosa also thought of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s words, some of us must bear the burden of trying to save the soul of America. By now, Blake was standing over Rosa. Are you going to stand up? He asked urgently. Rosa looked him straight in the eye and with great dignity responded, no. Well, I'm going to have you arrested. You may do that, Rosa replied. Rosa, in reflecting on that, writes that as a child, I learned from the Bible to trust in God and not be afraid. I felt the Lord would give me the strength to endure whatever I had to face. God did away with all my fear. If you cut a couple threads through Corey Ten Boom's story and Rosa Parks' story, there's this deep source of strength for each of those women. Our final story comes from Mother Teresa's life. Actually, made a friend named Bart once, and Bart was a ministry leader and got to be in charge of Mother Teresa's itinerary for one day. And when I found this out, I just started soaking up Mother Teresa stories from my new friend, Bart. And Bart said, there was one day where we were headed in New York City, we were headed to a lunch for dignitaries and civic leaders. And I was in charge of Mother Teresa from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And And I just had to get her on the stage to speak. And we had to take the back way through the hotel kitchen and lunch was being cleared off and the waiters and waitresses were just clearing plates of food that were unused into the garbage can. And Mother Teresa stopped me, Bart says, and she says, my poor need this food. How will they get this food, Bart? just left Bart speechless, you know? This is what revolutionaries do. They, they kind of leave us wondering why we don't, why we can't think like them and see the world like they do. My poor need this food. There was a sense of solidarity with the poor that Mother Teresa had. God's poor were her poor. And not, not just India's poor. This was an Albanian Indian woman who was now in India, but the Indian poor became her poor, but not only that, the globe's poor. The poor in New York City that needed this food became her, her people. This story is, a, is from Mother Teresa's life, and it's a, it's a painful one. Listen as I read. Mother Teresa visited the children's home that she had established herself each day, taking particular interest in babies whose health was so precarious that they were likely to die soon. Wrapping the child in a blanket, she would hand him to a helper and simply instruct her to love the child until he died. 
She felt it absolutely central to her mission that no child should die without having experienced love. But if tiny babies brought to them, even if tiny babies brought to them died within the hour, Mother Teresa insisted that they must die beautifully. One of the helpers who had been asked to love a dying baby held the child and hummed a Brahmin lullaby to him until he died that evening. Three decades later, the woman still recalled how the tiny infant had pressed his little body against hers. So a revolutionary life. A Jesus first life that begins to value the frailest, smallest of our kind. So there's a, there's a recipe for this and it's this simple one and I don't want to minimize it to say that it's easy because it's on a three by five card. If you look at each one of those revolutionaries, their lives were filled with intense circumstances. I want to lead you in a prayer, a prayer that makes you a revolutionary today. And this is all you have today, right? And so this is the day you can give to the Lord and say, I want to be a Jesus first revolutionary in our world. I'm going to read just the three phrases of this prayer. They, they correlate to the, the recipe card, one for the father and the son and the spirit, Holy Spirit. And after I read one of the the prayers. I'm just going to pause for 10 seconds to allow you to internalize that prayer. God, you are father and your love is deep and wide for all and for me today. God, you sent your son to be the atoning sacrifice of love for all and for me. It happened 2000 years ago and it has changed history forever. God, you sent Holy Spirit to live inside all of your people, to live within me. In the name of Jesus, I ask for Holy Spirit to fill every space of my being today. Amen. Thanks, Shibu. What a good word, what a good call to us individually and collectively today throughout of the love of our Father and the sacrifice of the Son, King Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit. That first church was founded and grew and thrived and and has so from that day to this day. Not always easy, sometimes some setbacks. And what a great job of sharing some of those revolutionary lives and, and we can be part of that. We are part of that. Heartland, individually and collectively today. So our twofold challenge today and this week is this. First, continue to cultivate revolutionary prayer. It's that revolutionary prayer of our dependence upon God's spirit. 
We'll make available the prayer Shibu offered uh, on social. Maybe that's something that you want to, to just use as a catalyst for prayer this week. Please do that. Maybe you want to join us in that sort of praying the Lord's Prayer at noon challenge wherever you are. Let's do that. Jesus is the one who had that ultimate relationship with the Father who brought about the kingdom and, and he said, hey, when you pray like, pray like this. Maybe you can join us in that. So let's, let's continue to cultivate revolutionary prayer and then let's continue the conversation. Continue the conversation of what God might be speaking individually and collectively. And again, on the Heartland Anywhere app uh, and then on the website, we give each week three questions that you can ask personally, but they're really there so that you can continue the conversation with others that you live with or are around you in some way. And for some of us, it's in prayer and then taking that step in conversation, particularly if that can feel a little risky that might uh, do some cool things this week. What is that beautiful thing the Lord is asking you to do and what are you going to do about it? So my uh, phone just now went off <laughs> because it's noon. So I'm gonna pray that Lord's Prayer. You can pray again and, and maybe continue that throughout this week on my and our behalf. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.